My name is Adam Eberhardt, and you are listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome back to the Idea Industry Podcast. My name is Francisca Monahan. I'm the senior podcast editor here at the Daily Emerald. And I'm Emily Garcia. I am the host of the Idea Industries podcast series. Now, Francisca, have you heard of a pitch? Here in the journalism business, we do deal with pitches quite a bit, but I imagine they're at least a little bit different than the kind of pitches you're talking about. Well, tell me what a pitch in journalism looks like, and then I'll tell you if it's close, similar, or way far off. Well, it depends a little on who you're pitching it to, but generally you want to have a brief summary of what the story is, why it matters, who potential sources are. Uh, I actually had to write a pitch for a internship application uh, last week, and they had me just write like a paragraph about the story, why it mattered, why I thought it was interesting, and potential sources I could use for the story. Okay, so a journalism pitch actually sounds very similar to an advertising pitch. So in advertising, what we actually do is there's a lot of different types of pitches. So you could have a pitch as simple as an idea to do for a client, or you could have it be an entire new business pitch. Now, a new business pitch is actually where agencies will have teams that are dedicated to, quote, new business. So their job is to pitch the agency to clients. So like some of the times this could be, um, so for new business pitches, like this team's job is to just pitch the agency to different clients across the country to try to get brands to invest their money in this agency rather than the agency they're currently working for or trying to do the advertising themselves. So typically this team actually moves around a lot and they have a quick turnover time because they want to get as as much new business as possible because the more new business you have, the more new hires you can gain. And so it just helps the agency and all. But then you can also have something like a campaign pitch, which is where you're pitching an entirely new campaign for your current client. So this past term, I've actually had the pleasure of working on two advertising pitches, and I have to say it is exhausting. I am at the burnout point right now, but it's definitely an interesting process for sure. So when you begin developing a pitch for a company or a campaign of some sort, where do you start? So typically what will happen in a traditional campaign pitch is the client will come to the agency and say, hey, so we have this problem. We need you to solve it. So this term, I've had the privilege to work on two pitches. So the first one was for um, a guy out in New York. This gentleman worked um, in the advertising industry and he was actually impacted by the 9-11 attacks and he had his plane rerouted to Gander, Newfoundland and so every year what he's done since the 9-11 attacks is he was shown so much hospitality in Gander that every year on 9-11 he used to close his advertising agency and just have his employees go out and work um and do community service projects throughout the city. And one of the things they noticed is that people keep staring at their phones. And then as of this year, this coming fall, the freshmen that are going to be entering high school 
So they're actually learning about it post the attack. So they don't have the same experiences you and I do of living through it and having our world change. So basically the problem he came to us was how do we get people to get off of their cell phones and interact with each other and show kindness to each other in the same way that Gander Newfoundland opened their borders and accepted all of these people from these flights that were rerouted on 9-11. So he approached us with that problem. So we had to have about five weeks to come up with a solution. So that was my first pitch. And then the second pitch, um, at the University of Oregon, we actually have a lot of really great connections out in the industry. And so we currently are working on a pitch for the Adidas company, um, the Adidas brand. Adidas approached us and gave us a pitch idea and a problem. And now we are pitching it actually today. And so it's exciting. Is that legal to pitch to Adidas even though we're, quote, Nike University, unquote? Well, here's the thing is Phil Knight is a... He donates money, but we're not, quote, sponsored by Nike. If the person who actually works at Adidas is a former duck, so we have the connection there. So it's not so much of a conflict of interest. And I'm going to be quite honest. Uh, for me, it's kind of fun to work on a brand that isn't Nike. So when a company brings you a problem, where do you start to look first to find the solution? Excellent question. So what you actually want to do when you're doing a pitch is everybody's like, let's start about executions, executions, executions. And executions are sort of like the ads and the creative ideas. Like, for for example, an execution would be a billboard in Times Square. But while it's really tempting to go straight to executions, you actually want to start with the strategy. And so in both of those instances, in both of the pitches, because I was both the strategist and the media planner, we had to spend a lot of time doing research. So that secondary research, so doing everything from like going over psychology papers about like the psychology of an athlete and how people approach um, exercise now for Adidas to researching just how many people got impacted by the 9-11 attacks and you know, how much time do these new freshmen going into high school, so they're currently eighth graders right now, how do they engage with the world around them? So we do research like that. So that's secondary research. But then you also have to do some primary research. So for my pitch that was, we called it the Gander pitch, the one that was for New York, we actually interviewed some students and some people who were impacted by 9-11 and one of the things we found was that a lot of people who were older and had experienced 9-11 can tell you exactly where they were on 9-11 when they heard that the towers were attacked. And then what we found from the younger generation is that they spend a lot of time on their phones because that's just how they communicate and connect with their friends. Um, on the flip side, for Adidas, we've done some primary research and we did everything from focus groups to sending out surveys that people actually fill out. And so we go through one by one each survey and collect the data and then we form a superset of information. So a really long explanation short, once you have all of that information, you have to kind of boil it down 
to the single most compelling idea, the most com- the most powerful thought that has the most saturated power that you can build an entire campaign around. So this quote has to, this idea has to be enough to inspire your creatives as well as your media planners and your producers to create great work and use big ideas, if that makes sense. Are you able to tell us what that one central idea boiled down to for the New York pitch? Absolutely. So one of our things we found in our research, um, the gentleman actually said, you know, you could have it for, he wanted the campaign to be relatable from eighth graders to 65 year olds and older. And we found that that idea, that's a really large age demographic to follow. So we decided that we would just research and let the audience present itself there. So when we were hanging out one day, going over our research, we found that when people engage in social drinking, so like going to a bar or a tavern and getting a beer or a drink with friends, they naturally set down their cell phone. And a lot of people are more likely to talk with a stranger if they're both sitting at a bar top than they would just walking by on the street. Because there's that sort of idea that you've come here to just relax and enjoy a beer and get conversation. Because the difference between enjoying a beer in your home from a six-pack is that you kind of want that solitude. But if you go to a bar, you kind of want that human interaction. So that's where we got this single most compelling idea that when you go out for a drink with friends, you naturally set down the cell phone. How does that apply to eighth graders, though? So what we actually did was we decided to kind of, instead of do what the client wants, go with what the client needs. And a lot of instructors, including Tom McDonald's, like, don't tell the client what they want to hear because that's what has helped contribute to the problem they have. Give them what they need. So through our research, we found that, hey, maybe eighth graders aren't necessarily the right demographic for this human truth, but this human truth is so solid, we should we should follow it because we are in a college town. Fear brings people together. So that's what we went with because then in that case, you can have a 21-year-old relate to it all the way to an 85-year-old. So it's not exactly the age demographic he asked for, but it was a larger age demographic because it was a universal human truth. Okay, cool. So it's okay in this case to do something that the client didn't necessarily ask for. Exactly. Now, on the flip side, for our Adidas campaign, we actually decided to go with a different approach. So um, we were, once again, given a very broad age demographic. And what I found is instead of using demographics, quote unquote, the best campaigns actually focus on psychographics. So what people think rather than their age or their stuff like their income or things like that. And the reason for that is because your demographic can change. One minute you can be upper middle class and then three years later you could be way into the next class whether it's up or down so like if you focus on a demographic you automatically put a time limit on your idea so it can't live beyond the length of the campaign however if you focus on psychographics and you convey a message that'll speak to the beliefs of your consumer you actually increase the longevity of your idea So, for example, Nike's Just Do It. The single most compelling thought in their strategy was 
if you have a body, you are an athlete. And that's a really great thought because then it led to the tagline, just do it. And now, however many years it's been, over 20, I feel like, we still have the Nike slogan, just do it, in our heads because it's so universal. Because they focused on the psychographic, not necessarily like 20% of students will do XYZ, if that makes sense. All right. Well, we got to wrap up in a couple of minutes here, but I was just wondering before we go, if you could just distill your thoughts about the pitching process for the advertising industry. So basically a pitch is a well-educated conversation. You have this research, then you use this research to inspire great creativity. Now you got to sell this idea to the client and you don't want to necessarily talk at this person because, you know, they're forking out a lot of money for you to do this. It's just a well-educated conversation. The more casual you are, you're developing a connection with the client that then helps them trust you to be like, hey, this is a genuinely good idea and this could work. So when you look at a pitch, don't look at it as necessarily a presentation, but more of just a conversation with somebody where you're really excited to share this idea because you know it's going to help them if they use it. Well, I think that covers it for our well-educated conversation about pitching in the advertising business. And this is kind of sad, but next week will actually be our very last episode of the Idea Industry Podcast. Oh my goodness, I can't believe it's it's at that point. Hashtag graduating, hashtag life as a J-grad. Sorry guys, that's just a SOJC reference here at the University of Oregon. But hey, you don't have to just like stop following us after the idea industry series is over keep following the emerald media podcast groups also follow francisca and i on social media you can follow me on twitter at emily underscore calais you know it's k-a-l-e-i and i'm at franny monahan with an i-e not a y and if you liked what you heard here you can check out more daily emerald podcasts on our website at dailyemerald.com or subscribe on itunes and soundcloud thanks for listening